gains and more job opportunities. More stable investment has been preferred as a close. Money for nothing. Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing with me, Renita Malhotrahora. Cyprus braces for Greece-EU talks seeking a definitive solution. The euro climbs with S&P 500 futures before the Greece summit today. And the Bank of Japan will issue its monthly economic report for June. Greece is definitely the word. Thousands of Greeks rallied outside Parliament in Athens late Sunday in support of the government as leaders prepared a large last-ditch effort to persuade European creditors to release additional bailout funds. And mainland Chinese markets are closed for a holiday, providing Shanghai stocks a breather after last week's 13% tumble. We'll talk more about Chinese markets with Peter Churchhouse of the Churchhouse Letter. That's after a discussion on Greece with our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Alex Wong of Ample Capital is our guest host today. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Anita. Alex, markets have been quite placid over Greece, but uh, do you think they will react today? Oh, in Hong Kong, I think uh, the focus is still on China because um, we had shown some resilience uh, during the um, great uh, 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 episodes last week. So uh, I think uh, we are more... Um, focusing on the China stocks uh, uh, in Hong Kong. So, and also, if you look at the overseas market right now, they are a little bit optimistic because if you look at the U.S. market, the retreat from the top actually is not that much. And even the um, DAX uh, has stabilized uh, last week. So, uh, probably they, people are still worrying, but they are not too pessimistic. Yeah, lots to talk about uh, on the China front. Let's uh, save that for a little later in the show with uh, Peter Churchhouse. Let's look at Greece. Uh, Greek Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras unveiled new proposals to European leaders on Sunday, and these were aimed at end- ending his uh, country's debt crisis on the eve of a summit which could determine whether Greece crashes out of the Eurozone. In a telephone call with German Chancellor Angela Merkel, French President François Hollande and European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker Cyprus unveiled the new proposals on a mutually beneficial deal. This is according to uh, the Greek uh, Premier's office. Supporters of Greece's left-wing government took to the street of Athens to protest against further austerity measures being demanded by international creditors in return for ongoing financial help. The BBC's Jonti Bloom reports from the Greek capital. A rally in support of the Greek government is underway outside the national parliament. Protesters are calling for an increase in the minimum wage and an end to privatisation. They're also carrying banners saying that the country is not for sale and cannot be blackmailed. But the government's policies are rather more difficult to discern. The Greek cabinet met throughout the day after the European Central Bank had to supply a lifeline of euros to keep Greek banks in business over the weekend. 
The government says that it's come up with concrete proposals to cut spending and raise more revenue, which will ensure a long-term solution to Greece's problems. Its main lenders, the ECB, IMF and EU, met this afternoon to consider those proposals, and the Greek government must win their backing for its plans if it's to get the billions of euros that it desperately needs. The head of the country's biggest high street bank, the National Bank of Greece, Luca Katsila, said a solution must be found. I really cannot see any reason why our partners and creditors and the Greek government cannot forge an agreement to enter into such uncharted waters and take up all the risk, both for the Eurozone and for Greece, for two or three billion differences. I think it's insane. The meeting of Eurogroup finance ministers tomorrow morning has been brought forward by two and a half hours to consider the Greek proposals, but the final decision will probably need the approval of the heads of government of Eurozone members meeting tomorrow afternoon. All of this goes to show how much keeping Greece in the Eurozone is a political decision rather than just a purely financial one. Will Greece default to the ECB and the IMF? TIAA Kref's Dan Morris wonders whether it could really be called a default. The rated agency says it doesn't really count as a default. So people use the term very loosely um, when it's not actually, you know, there's no really private creditors out there. So it's kind of a default in that they haven't paid, but not default in the sense that we typically think about it. The IMF, they have a 30-day grace period if they don't make the payment. You know, not good politically, but we don't think it really is going to be so catastrophic. I think it really is that mid-July deadline that is the one that they have to keep to. Something has to be done by them because, yes, you can't not pay the ECB and expect to get any money back from them. The ECB's governing council will hold a special meeting today to examine whether to raise the level of emergency funding for Greek banks. This is according to AFP. Greece's banking system has come under intense pressure recently with clients withdrawing billions of euros in savings and the meeting is being held at the request of the Bank of Greece. The ECB already raised the level of funding for Greek banks on Friday for the second time in a week, although the exact amount is not known. Alex, why has there been no concern about all of this, you know, sort of raising the emergency lending? You know, why no concern from the markets? I think uh, people thought that there would be some solutions at the end. And like um, you know, Kip has said, uh, the, the difference in uh, in a small amount uh, uh, because of this, and and there's um, and Greece, then probably that will be insane. I think uh, so. That's why market has been um, a little bit optimistic, and and. Today we saw a small recovery after the proposal given uh, by the grid. And I think uh, in the meantime, the market had been a bit optimistic. But um, we need to be aware that the market had, could change very rapidly because um, uh, we are seeing some uncharted um, uh, territory if, we, uh, if, if, if no agreement is reached. All right, let's bring in our first guest of this morning, our international economics correspondent Barry Wood, who joins us from Washington, D.C. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Renita. So, Barry, we've had deadline after deadline. Would you say that today is really the final one? No, I would not say that. (laughs) But surely things are uh, coming towards some kind of conclusion. It cannot go on forever. This is a big deal because you've got, as we heard in that BBC report, not just the Eurogroup finance ministers, but the political leaders of of the Eurozone and indeed the entire European Union. So this is is a big deal. If Mr. Tsipras of Greece 
does not present something that really gets the attention of his interlocutors, this will not go well. If, on the other hand, he appears to be conceding territory, giving some of those hardline positions up, then we could have a deal. So do we know what alternatives he is offering? No, we do not. And I think that um, it is wise that Mr. Tsipras has not gone to the press first. You know, it's interesting, Renita, when you look back at Thursday night in Luxembourg, that Mr. Varoufakis, the finance minister, presented everything that he had said to his interlocutors, the 18 other finance ministers in the Eurozone, to the press. And he wanted the press to know that his ideas had been rejected. Well, it was very interesting to read through all of that. And I do think that there is something to be said, that there's not a huge amount of distance between the two parties. The problem is that the Eurozone leaders, their finance ministers, don't really believe that the Greek government under Mr. Tsipras will make good on the promises they make. And why is that? Why did uh, Mr. Varoufakis really want the press to know uh, that their proposals had been rejected? Well, I think he believes, and Mr. Tsipras as well, believes that so great would be the disaster of Greece leaving the Eurozone that in the end the Europeans will bend and come to the Greek position. And if he's overplaying his hand, as several good analysts now say, then it's up to him, rather, to make the concessions. And I think that's what we need to know. As to your question, I think Mr. Varoufakis simply wants to say, look, we're being reasonable. Don't blame us. As I read through all of that, you think, well, gosh, this isn't that bad. I mean, you know, what he's saying doesn't seem outrageous. The problem is, too many people in the Eurozone think that Mr. Varoufakis as a kind of well, charlatan, who says all these things and says it in superb Oxford English, but doesn't mean what he says. My goodness. Now, when we are talking about, you know, what he says and whether he does or doesn't mean what he says, I mean, one thing is for sure, Barry, and that is that the austerity measures that have been imposed on Greece have really affected its economy. So could Varoufakis and Cyprus really have uh, something behind all of their demands? I mean, is there is there reason to believe at all that uh, what they're asking for is justified? Yes, I think you're, you're on to something there. Look, the question is, how do you get the Greek economy to grow and still keep that country in the Eurozone? They've had five years of depression. All of the arguments that the Greeks present about the suffering is true. The problem is no one sees a path to growth. Some of the debt has got to be written down. The question there is, do you get the measures first that tells the creditors, yes, they really want to restructure and make their economy more competitive, and then have the debt written down? I think that's the deal we're headed for. But again, it's a question of credibility. Alex, what do you think about this? Well, I think, uh, yes, uh, at the end, probably 
Greece would want to uh, lighten the burden and then to try to grow. And there are some reasons behind the 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 request. But uh, in the meantime, I, I agree with with uh, Barry that uh, this is uh, the credibility issues actually. Yeah. Barry, we've been hearing, you know, in these last few days that on one hand, there is leeway. Uh, but on the other hand, that Angela Merkel is likely to be quite hard-handed about what it is specifically that Greece needs to deliver. Which is it, do you think? Well, good question. And indeed, this is probably the most difficult and far-reaching decision Miss Merkel will make in the 10 years she's been the German leader because Germany is the biggest creditor and the biggest economy. I think that she knows that her public opinion and her finance minister oppose any further concessions to Greece. I think she may be willing to go against that and take the risk of yet another package of bailout of some form, just to avoid the question, that big question mark, of what will happen if a country leaves. We know the impact immediately. It's as the the banker said in your first cut. You know, they'll have capital controls. People will go to the automatic teller machines and find that there's nothing happening. There's no money. That's the issue, and that's why this is far more serious than previous deadlines. And to some extent, that's already happening. I mean, uh, people have been drawing money uh, out of Greek banks in these last few days to the extent that the ECB actually threw Greek banks a lifeline raising the ELA limit by 1.8 EU band. And and they're going to discuss later today whether they will actually want to help even more. I mean, but doesn't that actually then raise the stakes, you know, sort of increase basically the amount of the loan that is actually than due to the ECB. Yes, yes, it does. No doubt about it. But, you know, no one is really thinking about those long-term future loans. They're rather thinking about, hey, how are you going to pay back the International Monetary Fund by the end of the month? That's the question. And when it comes to Angela Merkel, and you say if she might go against her finance minister, she has uh, the Bavarian allies even who are not wanting to further, you know, extend aid. So your view then, Barry, is that she might go against everyone uh, <laughs> in her camp, so to speak. Well, I, I guess I am saying that, Renita. I, I, look, this is a big deal. And uh, no one wants to be seen as having pulled the plug. Uh, There are too many question marks about what that impact ultimately is in the Eurozone. It's important, I think, that the Euro has strengthened over the last couple days against the dollar. But yeah, this is a big one, because I, I think I would put, Renita, the chances of some deal in the next 24 hours at something like 50%. And what if we don't reach a deal? (laughs) <laughs> then it gets worse. And it won't be suddenly worse. I, I think it'll be gradually worse. You know, capital controls, uh, more money flowing out, some tough statements, that kind of thing. All right. Well, more waiting and watching. Uh, Barry, as you say, this can't go on forever. So I'm hoping that we're going to reach some kind of deal. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, more interesting other things to talk about. Barry, thank you for joining us uh, this morning. That's Barry Wood. He is our international econo- economics correspondent joining us from Washington, D.C. To prevent Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, avoid contact with affected persons, wildlife or birds while traveling. Always keep good personal and environmental hygiene and clean your hands before touching your eyes, nose and mouth.
If you develop symptoms such as fever or cough, put on a surgical mask, see a doctor right away, and let the doctor know your recent travel history. The time is now 8.18 a.m. and you are listening to Money for Nothing on RTHK Radio 3. Well, has China's stock rally run its course? China's Beige Book president, Leland Miller, doesn't think so. The government's put a lot into this rally. They've, they've rhetorically supported it. You know, they can tweak at the edges about margin trading. They can allow for corrections. But if the air goes out of the rally altogether, they're in big trouble. So how does the government show that it support, you know, its support behind the rally? The government's put a lot into this rally. They've, they've rhetorically supported it. You know, they can tweak at the edges about margin trading. They can allow for corrections. But if the air goes out of the rally altogether, they're in big trouble. Literally, what do they do? Well, this they, is... They, they can't go buy stocks. You know, you're talking about margin lending. Will they crack down more on this? They have to be very careful about talking about uh, margin trading. Uh, they, can in, in, they can talk about the economy getting better. Uh, the economy can actually get better. So there's a lot of things they can actually push forward. What they're unlikely to do is heavy stimulus. People assume they're going to come in there with some big interest rate cut in order to boost the stock market. The central bank is focused on the economy, not the stock market. And by deregulating, uh, they're sending a signal. Uh, by not cutting down on, on, on the trading that's going on, they're sending a signal. Uh, by talking about the fact that this is reflating corporate balance sheets and doing other positive things, for, you know, helping corporations pay off debt, that's sending a positive signal. So, you know, the, the government's too invested in this to let this collapse. So- that's China's Beige Book President Leland Miller talking to Bloomberg's Alex Steele. Now, Adrian Mowat of J.P. Morgan says that policymakers will step in if the market correction gets beyond a comfortable level. But TIAA Kreft's Dan Morris doesn't necessarily think so. The government's probably going to be more focused on the economy necessarily than on the markets. I don't know that they want to get themselves in the position of, of kind of providing their own put on the markets if they ever go down so much. So I think it'd be if we saw economic data, you know, for example, if the PMIs that come out, you know, show sub-50 readings for manufacturing, things along that line, they'd be more likely to prompt some noises out of the Chinese government necessarily than the market correction. So China's uh, PMI numbers are due out later this week. The question is whether good news is going to be bad news for the stock market. You've got more room to run and more potential room to run on loosening a monetary policy. This is something clearly that's top of mind for the Chinese government. So, yes, it will be, you know, the good is going to be bad if that's what we see out of the data. All right, let's bring in our next guest, Peter Churchhouse of the Churchhouse Newsletter. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Anita. Peter, is it time to buy China stocks? Well, put it this way, uh, we've seen a 13.3% uh, correction uh, last week. Um, and, and, of course, uh, we know that the market has been driven very much by uh, local retail investors rather than institutional uh, investors. But if we look at um, uh, the, this tumble that we've seen in the last week or so, I, I think a lot of foreign investors are going to look at this and, and see it as a buying opportunity because if we, if we look at the, the MSCI World Index, the Global Index, 
of stocks around the world. China makes up about 5% of that global index. But uh, global fund managers have well under 2% of their money invested in China. So they're underweight China in a very big way. So a pullback like this... For most of these people, they've, they've missed the rally of 100% since October last year. So I think a pullback like this is going, to, uh, is going to bring foreigners back into the market, particularly into the Hong Kong China 8 shares uh, listed in Hong Kong. Peter, do you agree with Adrian Mowat of JP Morgan, who says that, you know, if mar- the market correction this week gets beyond a comfortable level, whatever that means, um, then you could actually see Chinese policymakers step in? Well, we all know that China uh, economy and China markets of every kind, uh, the Chinese government are, are serial manipulators, they're serial meddlers in markets. They, they can't resist the temptation to meddle. And quite frankly, this, uh, this stock market to rally has been very much supported by policy measures uh, over the last 12 or 9 to 12 months. Uh, and I think uh, certainly the, the government, I think, is quite happy to see a little bit of a correction here. They're quite happy to see uh, margin lending uh, get pulled back. Uh, but on the other hand, they're, they're, they're promoting IPOs at a rapid, rapid rate. 50 IPOs uh, allowed this coming month. Uh, and that's more than twice what has been happening recently. So there's a a great reason to keep the stock market going because it's going to essentially allow debt in the wider economy to be brought down as people can uh, can uh, get money through the stock market through IPOs and other means. So I think there's a big policy objective here. Alex, what do you think? I think, uh, yes, uh, the, mar- um, the policymakers would like to um, support the market still, I think. Uh, and we need to see the um, this decline to um, stop uh, very fast because uh, if it continues to fall from here, then probably we will see some spiral effects. Uh, the, the initial stage of this correction uh, was fast because um, we are seeing a uh, very uh, strong deleveraging in the China markets and because uh, that is a, a huge margin lending out there. And uh, we are seeing, actually, we were seeing some encouraging signs in the Hong Kong market last week. Uh, the A-share ETF actually stabilized in the last hour and then rebounded quite sharply from the low and then actually is trading at premium to, to the um, uh, NAV uh, based on the closing price of the A-share market. And then also we are seeing um, a... Uh, very strong usage of the uh, Shanghai Connect uh, last Friday. So um, that is some encouraging signs. And, and like Peter said, probably people are, are going into China after this sharp fall. So do you uh, see us heading back into or to bubble territory? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, we, we need to see a uh, prolonged phase of consolidation after this kind of fall because uh, uh, we had been recently high on very huge turnover. That means uh, many people actually are caught uh, at the top. So uh, that means uh, any rebound probably would be would meet very strong resistance uh, right now already. Peter, what do you think? I mean, recently in your note, you wrote uh, in regard to this being a bubble that this may not be a valuation bubble, but it's clearly a speculative bubble. 
Well, it certainly is. In terms of Alex's right, the, the, the volume of trading in the market is, is at phenomenal levels, at, at over 300, 320 billion US dollars per day uh, in recent, uh, recent weeks. Now, that's five or six times the level in the US market, for heaven's sake. So, yes, there's a bubble there. But in terms of valuations, that's not really the case. Uh, the, the, um, the, the Shanghai Composite, according to Bloomberg, is trading at about 18 times earnings right now, which is not excessive by any means. Uh, it, it traded up to over 50 times in the last bubble back in 96. Uh, so, you know, we, we haven't, haven't got to those sort of levels. But having said that, a lot of the uh, uh, small cap stocks, the, the tech stocks, the media, uh, the Internet stocks and so on are definitely trading at valuation bubbles at 100 times. The Chinex uh, index is trading around about uh, 100 times uh, this year's earnings, according to Bloomberg. So there are bubbles, but the, the broader market is not – in a valuation bubble at all, but certainly in a turnover bubble. So at what level would you say the market becomes fully valued if it's not 18 times or 19 times? You know, at what point? Well, look, if, we, if we're seeing growth in, in earnings, which is actually uh, dipping back this year, the forecasts are for earnings to dip a little. Uh, but um, a, a lot of uh, Chinese government uh, figures are telling us that there will be a rebound in the economy in the second half. Now, whether or not that happens uh, is hard to say. But if that, if, that, if that happens, we're likely to see perhaps an earnings revision start to take place to the upside uh, in, in China stocks in the second half of this year year, which I think could be quite supportive to, to uh, China stocks, particularly China stocks listed in Hong Kong, which aren't trading expensively at all. They're trading at about 12 to 13 times earnings, which uh, is, that market is dominated largely by institutional investors who care about valuation. Uh, the, the retail investor in China couldn't give a rat's backside about valuation, uh, but, but the institutional investors do. Certainly. Do you uh, agree, Peter, that you know if... Uh the economic data later this week doesn't look good, then stocks will go up? Uh, well, it's, bad news is good news. We, we've seen that a lot in the U.S. in the last year or two as well. Uh, my, my sense here is that this correction uh, is a correction, not a, not a crash. And that's, uh, that, that's what we have to, I think, work on. And as I say, I think we're going to see institutional investors offshore coming back into the market because they've not been in it. And this, this correction affords them an opportunity to come back into a market which in, in, fa- in, in effect, is going to be a much bigger part of the global index uh, six or 12 months from now. So they're going to have to be in it. So I think you're going to see the institutional investors come back. And what specific sectors uh, would you say, you know, the investor can currently find value in? Well, there's a lot of value in the old smokestack industries, which we know, uh, but a lot of these are affected by massive over- overcapacity and oversupply. Uh, bank stocks are very cheap. They're way cheaper than the U.S. and European bank stocks right now. A lot of them are trading around one-time book or a little over what that or a little under that. Uh, also, the property sector is very cheap. You can find any number of top-quality companies that are growing earnings at 15 to 20 percent uh, that are trading at five, six, seven times earnings. So again, uh, that's been a sector that's been unloved by the market for perhaps good reasons, uh, but they're cheap. And so I think you can find sectors, traditional sectors like that, where uh, the stocks are cheap. And I think you're going to see institutional investors uh, putting their money into those kinds of areas. 
All right, Peter, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That is Peter Churchhouse, and he is the author of The Churchhouse Letter. A quick look at the numbers now before we wrap up the show. The Nikkei is up seven-tenth of a percent to 20,321. Australia's ASX 200 index is down two-tenth of a percent to 5,578. And Sol's Cospi is also up seven-tenth of a percent to 2,061. In currencies, one euro is currently valued at 1.13 US dollars. The US dollar is trading at 122.81 yen and one pound sterling will buy you 12 Hong Kong dollars and 30 cents. Gold currently at $1,201.50 per ounce and Brent crude oil at $62.77. So here we are at the end of the show, Alex. Uh, we've got our eyes on Greece. We've got our eyes on China once markets uh, open back up and, you know, tomorrow. What else should we be looking at this week? Well, basically, uh, China and Greece. And we probably would have a clear direction uh, this week. And I like uh, the resilience of the Hong Kong market last uh, first day and Friday. So very likely we would uh, try to hold up from here and try to stage a, a recovery, I think. And uh, hopefully um, we do not see further fall from the China market because, uh, as I've said, we need to see a uh, stop of this decline because uh, if further declines uh, uh, are seen, probably we'll see some spiraling in fact uh, because of the uh, further derivation triggered by the further fall. All right, Alex, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That is Alex Wong, and he is our regular Monday co-host. Alex Wong, Director of Asset Management at Ample Capital. And I'm Renita Malhotrahora, wrapping up for this morning's Money for Nothing. Tropical uh, Cyclone is currently in force. The standby signal number one is in force. The temperature right now is 27 degrees Celsius, and the relative humidity is 97%. Time for the half-hour news with Samantha Butler. The Greek government has put forward new proposals to try to end the country's debt crisis on the eve of an emergency summit in Brussels. The details haven't been revealed, but the Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras discussed the plans on the telephone with the leaders of Germany and France and the head of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker. An MP for Greece's governing Syriza party, Kostas Lapovitsa, said he wasn't 